Well, good morning, everyone. Well, you get a substitute this morning. Uh, how did you uh, how you know James' brother last week? Was he did he do all right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, obviously a baron, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, we bragged on, uh, we, let's see, Clark and I were talking with James, I guess it was Tuesday, and they said, uh, you know, James, what was really incredible is he got you out on time, you know. <laughs> he goes, I know, I know. Actually, they actually start on time, and Clark says, yeah, and he got you out on time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Already, already beginning, yeah. So, uh, James uh, has had some kind of a tear in his shoulder or something. He was lifting weights and, uh, and it, at the end of the week and really, really injured his shoulder. And so he's got uh, tests being done. Whether well, he's not doing it today, I think he's probably just playing hooky and sleeping it off. But it was very, very painful. And so he might have tore his rotator cuff or something. We don't know what's going on yet. So it seems like that family has been through <laughs> such a string of bizarre things, so we certainly want to be praying for them. In fact, let's do that. Let's pray right now. Father, we love you and are grateful for the reality of your life in us, <coughs> grateful for all the things that have been done on our behalf, and we're just beginning to discover the mysteries, the joys, the, the incredulous uh, events that have occurred on our behalf through Christ. And uh, Lord, we pray this morning you just open up our, our eyes to see, ears to hear, the truths that you have for us, so that uh, we can live it out in a powerful and magnificent way that demonstrates your life and in us and through us. We pray for James and Cindy and the kids, and to pray you'd bless them, watch over them, pray for healing, and uh, uh, you know, whatever injury has occurred, Lord, we pray for quick healing, total and quick healing. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, everybody doing all right? No. No major issues going on? Well, yeah, some silence there. Take your Bibles and turn with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. We're going to look through some of my favorite verses. Uh, in fact, when I was um, in college, I determined that uh, this series of passages were my favorite and uh, became my life messages in many ways. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, and uh, we'll be reading verses 17 through 20. Before we do, has anybody ever heard of the Roman road in terms of the four spiritual laws and that kind of thing, right? Anybody remember the four primary verses that were are used for that? Yeah. Ref- do you remember the references? They're all in Romans, if that's a help. <laughs> Romans 3.23. For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, right? Romans 6.23 is the next one that we normally use, and that is for the wages of sin is death and separation from God, right? Romans 5.8, but in while we're yet sinners, Christ died for us. He demonstrated his love for us, and Christ died for us. And then Romans 10.9 and 10 is uh, uh, whoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And those are the typical verses that are used in, in evangelism purposes, People, you know, that's an elevator speech, helping people to quickly understand their condition before Christ and what Christ has done on their behalf, and are you willing to receive? And uh, so, in all of that, the four spiritual laws, uh, people oftentimes are 
you know, as James was trying to talk about the good news, remember here recently and preached about the good news and, and how often the church teaches people, especially in evangelism, concentrate on that sin. Concentrate, concentrate on that. Make sure that they know. Well, people know they're sinners. They know they are. You don't really have to spend as much time on that as you think you do. Help them. It does help them understand their condition. They need to understand what that, what that sin does in terms of separation from God prior to Christ. They need to know that, need to know their condition. But in many cases, they already know that too. And, uh, and, and they've heard messages from the church or seen it on TV and the strutting on, on, the, you know, on the platforms and all of that kind of thing about uh, what this thing looks like in terms of Christian life. And most of them are just not interested. And I don't blame them for what they've seen. You know, there's so much junk. I, I'm, I'm sorry, but I just can't watch it. I, you know, I've been in the ministry 30-something years, and it took me about five years of being, uh, thinking that I should watch that because I was Christian. But before I gave up on it, I said, no, I'm just, I just can't do it anymore. My first church was out in California, and uh, there were a couple times that, uh, this is back in the early 80s, and uh, went on TBN a time or two. It wasn't a personality that was being filmed. Uh, but I saw some of the things that were going on. My father-in-law was actually invited. I got to see that. I knew Arthur Blessed. Did anybody remember him? Anybody? I knew Arthur and spent some time with him. And uh, um, and he was on TBN a few times. And there were some other personalities that we had chances to rub shoulders with. Got to know Paul Bilheimer. If anybody knows Paul, um, he's dead. You wouldn't know him now, or at least not in the flesh. But he's uh, a, a, a really an apostolic character and has written some phenomenal books in my opinion and um, so we got to know him and anyway but that environment was uh, very distasteful to me uh, the 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 demonstration of this this glitzy uh, top of the world name it and claim it uh, religion in the name of God was very distasteful and I think very inaccurate and, and in terms of its portrayal of the incredible, glorious message that we have in Christ. And so, uh, anyway, the more that I got to watch some of that, the more I, I chose to be removed from it. And throughout life and through ministry, there have been other times I've been very disappointed. It's not as if I've got it all together, but you know, if you've been in church long enough, you know that sometimes the church just doesn't have it all together, uh, not only in her thinking and teaching, but also in, in the way that she conducts the affairs of church life special on the leadership side. And uh, a lot of people, when they come to church, do the very best they can to stay in the, as far back as they possibly can because if they get too close in, they'll see the underbelly and they don't want to see it. And I don't blame them. <laughs> I don't blame them. And, uh, but the church that is relevant and the church that has a message that people will hear is a church that is honest uh, about her life and talking about individuals, honest about uh, the frailties and honest about all the things that are going on in life and that becomes attractive because now they say okay you're real you're somebody I can relate to and so we're not just a people with a message we're people with the life of God operating in us and we're honest about our frailties and failings and, and I'll tell you that's attractive it's attractive to me when a speaker like Jimmy Evans yesterday was talking about uh, in our marriage conference we had over the last two days, one thing I really love about Jimmy Evans is that's who he is, right? He's just very down to earth, very down, admitting his mistakes and frailties and, and how he nearly lost his marriage through his uh, selfishness and, and 
and uh, all the things he had going on in his life. That's attractive. I can listen to somebody like that. Somebody who acts like they've got it all together and, and preaches above everybody. No, thank you. I'm really not interested. I mentioned the reality. And so uh, this whole message of the gospel of the kingdom, the message of the good news, is also couched in terms of, our, of the reality in which we're conducting our lives. Our message isn't about how well we're doing. That's not the message. The message is how well Christ is, what God has done, how well he's done. That's the good news. And that we're all on the journey of discovering that and incorporating that into our daily living, right? Amen. And that's so easy to talk about. Now you don't have to just go through the Roman road or the four spiritual laws because that seems archaic and foreign. It always feels odd when you're trying to talk to somebody about salvation in Christ. But when you're operating out of reality of life and fellowship and relationship, those opportunities come and you find uh, yourself in a position where it becomes a glorious opportunity, sometimes incredibly tearful and very vulnerable. And I've had a couple people over 30 years, not been happy when I've presented the gospel, but that's because I did the traditional routine of, uh, of the Roman... And I'm not putting down those. Please, oh, please don't hear me say that. There, I, I, in fact, if I'm, if I'm witnessing to somebody, the Roman road is typically the way that I'll go in terms of verses that I use. But I don't just go bump, 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 bump to try to get them to Christ. I just... I, I, help them experience life with me, if I possibly can, to give opportunity to tell them what Christ has done in my life, and here's what he's done, and here's the opportunity that you have. And um, I have to give you an example of something that happened recently. Well, not recently. It was actually some while back. But we were in Colorado and uh, visiting some friends and doing some snow skiing up there, and uh, a young lad had been adopted by a family that we had been very, very close with. He was about two years old. He had, while we were there, he toppled out of the second-story uh, window and fell down to the ground and injured himself pretty badly and was at the hospital. We're all very concerned, of course, and, you know, x-rays being done and, you know, what's, what's happened to him and, you know, do we have a broken skull? Do we have a concussion? Do we have broken bones? We didn't know what we had with this young fellow. So we're sitting there in the in the emergency room waiting uh, anxiously for the news. And uh, very unlike most emergency rooms, there's only one other person there in the waiting room. And uh, we'd been praying, actually, for um, days before that, even weeks, that, that we would just be open to opportunities just, just to love people and to love them into the kingdom. And so this other lady was there, and she was very tearful and very fitful and and uh, so we just engaged in some conversation. And, um, and we quickly found out that this lady was a, uh, was a practicing witch and uh, had been for some time. And uh, she wasn't doing that to hold us back. She was just explaining that that was her lifestyle, but uh, was in a position where she had no hope. She didn't know what was going to happen, whoever, I don't know who she was waiting on and what... And, had no hope to offer them, no, no hope to offer herself. And we had an incredible opportunity just to, to witness to her and to share with her uh, the love that we had for Christ and the love that he had for us and what that, that change had done in our lives. And, and that gal got gloriously saved right there in the uh, emergency room, gloriously saved. And so after, and, and it, was, it was just very emotional, very tearful. And, and, you know, the, the transaction of heaven touching in, into that room was, was uh, very vivid and... and uh, powerful. And while we were there, 
and we're still waiting for the news. And by the way, the young lad was fine. He, he, he had a pretty serious bump on the head, but uh, no, no serious injuries, thank goodness. So um, this lady says, well, would you mind uh, coming by my house after this is over? Now, and I said, well, we'll be happy to do that. Where is it? And it was right there in Fort Collins. And she says, because I, I really want you to come and help me clean out all of this witchcraft paraphernalia. You know, we didn't immediately just say, all right, now now that you're saved, you need to do this, this, and this. And we, didn't, we didn't do any of that. She just immediately knew, that's the last thing I want in my house. I want all of that stuff gone. So we went and helped her uh, gather. And it was armfuls, my four or five of us, armfuls of stuff we took out. It was a big apartment complex, took it back toward the bin up back there. And instead of just throwing it away, she said, I, I want to burn this stuff. I don't want anybody else to get their hands on it. So we had a bonfire back there. We, didn't, we weren't demanding that. She was wanting to do it. Then her husband comes up. She'd already told us that he was a warlock. And so he comes and, uh, and steps into all this that's going on. And somehow God had him positioned where, the, uh, where he was just open. And he gets glorious on his knees in the parking lot, confessing <laughs> Christ as Savior. And uh, while the bonfire is going on, and I know the demons of hell screaming, you know, all their tantrums. It was absolutely phenomenal. So what, uh, what I've become more and more aware of is if, if, you just, if you just open yourself up to opportunity, they come. That's the amazing, glorious thing. Lord, open up my eyes. Help me to see how I can be, and according to Second Corinthians chapter 5, we'll read in just a minute, a minister or a, a messenger of reconciliation. Because that's exactly what's happened. Because we have been reconciled to God. Let's, let's read these passages together. Second Corinthians five seventeen through 20. Therefore, who's got that? Can you have it? Yes. Second Corinthians five seventeen through twenty. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creature. The old things have passed away; the old new things have come. Now all these things are from God, who reconciled us to Himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation, namely that God was in Christ reconciling the world to Himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and He has committed to us the word of reconciliation. Hallelujah. Yeah, absolutely right. Well, let's, let's just take just a brief moment. So let's just kind of break this down a little bit. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, and by the way, if you're born again, you're in Christ, right? If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has gone, the new has come. What's the old? The old nature, exactly right. Yeah, everything that was attached to sin, everything that was attached to anything that was contrary to God, gone. In fact, when we, the further you study, and the more I'm sure I know you've been taught this, and James talked about it plenty, as it when when Christ, our propitiation for sin, the Bible says He actually became sin on our behalf. Didn't He didn't associate with it? Didn't just act like it was a problem, and, and therefore would deal with a problem. He became the problem. He who was without sin became sin, became sin, on our behalf, in order that we might become what the righteousness of God in Christ. He who knew no sin became sin. Uh, Paul Bilheimer talks about uh, that you know the. The thing that he was most pure and most beautiful in stark contrast to, he became. He became the hideous, horrible, antagonistic thing that stood between man and their ability to meet God. He became that. 
and suffered its penalty on our behalf. And uh, I won't go into all the proposals, all that that represented, but the fact of the matter is that when he died to it as innocent, and God judged him innocent, even though he was sin, we were set free from, the, the potential being set free from that was then offered. The sacrifice once and for all was perfect, willing sacrifice, so that we could become the righteousness of God in Christ. So God did it. Did it all from start to finish. The author and the, uh, the intermediator and as well as, uh, and, and we're the receivers of it. If we'll just, the transaction then is faith. Not duty, not responsibility, not church attendance, not even water baptism, not tithing and offerings. All of which are fine, all of which are good, all of which are biblical in terms of conduct that's meaningful and powerful. But that's not how you get into heaven. That's not how you stay in heaven. Right? He did it. It's finished. Complete. Absolutely phenomenal. And the more we discover that, the more we want to understand that. And the more we want to understand that, the more that that concept of reconciliation and how we have been reconciled to God becomes comprehensive, becomes something we can understand, not comprehensible. How something we can understand, therefore, when we understand it, we can begin to exude it, begin to live it out. It becomes vital and real. And the conduct of life that so easily estranges and, and uh, not estranges, but entangles us in the, in the affairs of life become things we can conquer and walk through and overcome. Once we understand this ministry of reconciliation. So the old has gone, the new has come. And uh, all of this, all of this, you should underline that, all of this is from God. I don't know why the church can't seem to get a hold of that, or its leaders. All of this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and then gave us the ministry of reconciliation. So reconciliation is on, on multi-levels. One is between us and God. What's another level? Us and each other, exactly right, in, in, on the, in the Christian realm, brother to brother, sister to sister, so forth. But also, reconciliation toward uh, the world. We don't have to combat the world. The world is in combat against us, no doubt about that, and against the truth and all that Christ represents. But we don't have to be in combat against that. We're reconciled. God has reconciled the world unto himself. Now, will the world take advantage of that and walk into that? Will she experience it? Will we? Well, if you have... If you've accepted Christ's faith, you have. But, but enjoying that and benefiting from all of this incredible ministry of reconciliation is, is the journey. That's where we need each other to inspire, to encourage, to motivate, to, you know, because doggone, there's just sometimes we get knocked down. There's no doubt about that. You know, it's the reason why um, I'm convinced that we need to talk about things in terms of marriage. You know, sometimes marriage gets tough. It's not always perfect. You know, my wife thinks it is, but <laughs> gets her back from the other morning when she was saying I thought it was. Yeah. Uh-huh. But sometimes marriage is tough. Now, I've been reconciled to my wife. I've chosen in covenant relationship with her. I've, I've been reconciled to her. I've been reconciled to Christ in terms of spiritual reality. I've been reconciled to her as my sister in Christ, but also in many ways have have chosen reconciliation by covenant in terms of my vows to her and her to me. And yet times can still be tough, at least on the human level. And so 
Now, there's some things that sometimes I do have to correct my behavior. Sometimes I have to, I know, that's surprising to you. Uh, uh, (laughs) No, (laughs) that was too quick. Yeah, And, uh, you know, I have to admit that I saw things wrong and correct that so that we can walk in unity and trust and faith. And she doesn't sense that I'm lording over her or trying to, that I feel like I've got it all together and don't need her. That's not a marriage. It's not a marriage. So with, with these, this whole message of reconciliation is knowing that we've been reconciled to God. There's absolutely no barriers, nothing that is inhibiting or prohibiting our relationship with God. That's been taken care of. God did it completely. And, uh, but our relationships with each other, and while, while that has been made our ministry, it has to be worked out. It has to be... In, uh, we, yeah, there are times, right, when you have to get things right with one another because things we've injured one another, and um, and when the world looks at the church in her in her attempts and desires and vulnerability to walk this thing out called reconciliation among each other, she pays attention to that. When we just act like we have got it all together, but don't, then no, thank you. She's not interested. The world. So this, uh, this whole thing of connecting with the world through this ministry of reconciliation, in my opinion, is one of the strongest ways of communicating the gospel by lifestyle. That God was reconciling the world, verse 19, that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting men's sins against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors. Now, we can talk about that committed to us, what that, all that, that means. In verse 20, says, We are therefore Christ's ambassadors as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. So not only have we been receivers of reconciliation, but we have the, we have the ministry of reconciliation uh, to the world. And um, I'm convinced that uh, we have a lot to learn in that area as the body of Christ. Uh, the more that we preach and teach and uh, admonish one another in a beautiful way concerning this message of God's finished work through Christ, which we call grace, and that we've been receivers of that and that, our, our, that we're no longer uh, just a sinner saved by grace. You know, we are the righteousness of God in Christ. We are partakers of his divine holiness and divine life. That we have all that, all that Christ is abides in us, and that his life is now my life. I am not only righteous, but I'm holy. And you can rightfully say that, because you are. Now, the first time you look into the mirror and try to determine the truth and the validity of that, you're going to fall short. Because it's not based upon your conduct. It's based upon his and what he's done, right? And, uh, but the more I tap into that, the more that I understand that, the more I understand him. The more I understand him, the more I become like him. The more I see him, the more I love him, the more I want to be with him, the more I want to identify with him. So my mind changes, my, as Clark says, my want-tos change. I, some of the temptations just aren't the same any longer. I'm, I'm able to walk through things that I normally wouldn't have, at least not on my own efforts. No matter how religious I am, I'm going to fail when it comes to righteousness. No matter how many times I come to churches, it can, it can be open, and I can be the one opening it and closing it every single day. I can be water baptized every day. 
I can be in the Word every day and still be unrighteous in terms of my behavior. If I'm looking at myself and my attempts. And the fact of the matter is we all know that, you know, deeply. Even, even, even the most religious comprehend that. Now, anybody been here, uh, been Catholic background? Anybody? Okay. Now, this whole concept of reconciliation in the Catholic Church uh, is, uh, is tied up in penance, if I am understanding correctly. Is that right? Can somebody just kind of verbalize the, the Catholic position on, on penance and, and uh, reconciliation? Anybody? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, they're, they're, they're talk- yes, right. They- <laughs> it's cute. So we have, we have the confession, the confession booth confessing to the priest. The priest is the representative of God in that regard. And the priest then recommends that certain things be done. He gives you your penance. He gives you your penance. Okay. Now, um, there's some tapping into some truth in that. It's not all lies. But the fact of the matter is, is that, yes. Well, here's what's funny. Please. Here's what's really funny. Can you hear? Here's what's really funny about that. When I was a kid, there was a Monsignor Dolan. And we used to stand in the back of the church to see which confessional he would go in. Because Mm -hmm. he always gave you the longest penance. (laughs) (laughs) So we would go to, he would give you like three rosaries to do. So we would wait. And we would go into the other confessional. I would have done exactly the same thing, wouldn't you? Who's, who's going to be most easy on me when I... Yeah. All right. It's, it's, been, it's been months since I'm making my confession. Who's going to be the easiest on me once I do? Exactly. Okay. All right. Well, isn't it interesting, though, that, you know, how, how the system of man, and please, I don't want to put down Catholicism. There's lots of other things in Protestantism and all that would do something similar. But, you know, our high priest is Christ. And he already bore all of our sin and shame, bore it all. There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ. And so the, the, the act of confession to another uh, to a priest, per se, there is a sense of confessing to one another that makes sense, but to a priest who represents God in order to get some reconciliation or, or healing or forgiveness of our sin is just simply not biblical. That's right. It just isn't. Amen. And there isn't a need to do that. Now, uh, there's absolutely nothing wrong with, uh, in, the, in the confines of relationship and, and uh, friendship, to confess struggle, Right? And confess, I said, I just, I'm not getting it. I keep falling into this pit. This is something I'm having trouble with. And uh, I'm, you know, understanding and, and admitting that Christ has covered all of that, and yet why, why do I continue to fall here? Those are things that are important to help us grow and learn. And sometimes it's just not understanding truth. Sometimes there's, there have been strongholds that have been built up in their lives we just, we, that have left a mark that we haven't come free from. There's propensities of thinking that might be faulty, that need to be delivered and set free because of truth. There's a lot of, a lot of reasons for that. But it isn't, it isn't because Christ hasn't forgiven us. It isn't because God's standing back and says, oh my, with arms crossed, saying, well, can't I get this straight before we can move forward? You know, it isn't. <laughs> 
It isn't that. It isn't that. And I don't need some professional to hear that for me to somehow feel released from that. You know, Christ is my high priest. And he's ever interceding on my behalf. And all that I am concerned about, he's already taken care of. And uh, the, the condemnation is generally from myself or from the enemy or from you know, a conscience that hasn't understood the, the incredible work that Christ has done. And so we're, we're, we're feebly walking through this process. And maybe it's, maybe it's even just the repercussions of poor decisions that I'm, I'm walking under and grieving from that. But it hasn't separated from the love of God. It hasn't, hasn't prevented me from, from walking directly into his throne room instantly to receive his help and ministry in time of need. His embrace. Yes, sir. I don't know what that is. What is that? An acolyte was, would be a person that would be dressed in a white robe, and he would help the priest. I see. Uh, he would help them serve the wine and the bread, and okay. afterwards he would give them uh, the rest of the wine so the priest could finish off the wine. <laughs> 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 you know, because it was all evil. But we got to drink some, too. So yeah, so yeah. Came along, but, um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no, but I, I just seen how it was... Uh, that one scripture that came to my mind is the uh, in Hebrews where it says we have uh, we have no altar because Jesus comes from the tribe of Judah so there's no officiator officiator at the altar but all those years growing up and seeing that there was an altar right there in the center of the of the sanctuary and there was people you know behind the altar and stuff and then uh, there was times you know when the Holy Spirit can move through any of that you know what I'm saying he can. You know, get around all those things, but it was sad because I think, in the same way, there was a, you know, there was a sadness in the spirit because I guess you know God wants all of them to see the revelation of His grace. You know that there's not this continual, because that's where I picked up the continual asking forgiveness over and over and over mm-hmm. again, and I finally got to a point where I wanted to take a gun and shoot myself because I was taught that I was grieving God every time I sinned. Yeah. You know, so yeah. you know, this was coming from all kinds of pulpits. You know. So the Episcopal Church, it, it did give me a sense of uh, like a, uh, a sense of uh, wonder sometimes because of the uh, the quietness inside the church. You know, <laughs> you had to be super quiet. You know, but yep. it was, you know, and I guess sometimes it's good to have you know, have quiet and stuff. You know, yeah. but uh, in the bread and the wine, there was a more of a uh, appreciation of uh, the fact that we would have some songs. Now I look back and some of the songs we sang. I can pick those songs up now and use them for the finished work, big time, uh, because of uh, I will raise him up on the last day. Uh, uh, there's a song about I am the bread of life. I just read that in the book of John. Jesus said, I am the bread of life. Your fathers ate bread in the desert, but it wasn't like this bread I'm about to give you. You know. Mm-hmm. So I think it's kind of, you know, it's, it's sad because, you know, you, your heart, I was in the physical church for 13 years, so uh, raised on it, you know, in a way. So your heart is kind of like sad that they don't see the truth. Yes. You know? Yeah. It's how yeah. Paul felt towards the, his fellow, you know, 
Yes, he was. Exactly right. Hoping to save some while he was ministering him to the Gentiles. Yeah. 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 Exactly right. Yeah. Mm. Anybody else? Exactly. Uh, somebody wrote a letter recently that uh, had been attending Grace Church for some time and is now living in Dallas and a part of a very, very fine church out there. And, and uh, uh, she's in a, in a Bible study. And, and it was amazing how people who you would think would understand Grace still have the mixture of performance and, and uh, you know, Deep set repentance in terms of anguish over your over your sin, so that uh, you know you won't do it anymore. So forth. Lots of different things that so easily mixes into this uh, that 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 sullies the incredible message of grace. And uh, so she was just writing back. She says, "Well, I've just been ruined. You know, I'm surprised she didn't use the Texas term ruined, R-U-I-N-T instead of ruined. You know." Uh, I have been, uh, she says, I've absolutely been ruined. She says, it's not as if I see myself above anybody else. But she says, but once you understand the truth, you just can't go back. Yeah, and isn't that the way truth is? You know, once you see it, you see it. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, it's absolutely liberating. Yeah, Wim. I think the problem is that we, in our own build an ego, we always want to do something. Yes. And we have to let go. Yeah, yeah. You know, and even what you said, that we have to... It's good to go through the steps, but yeah. some people stick, stick halfway yeah. and they don't yeah. get any further. Yeah, 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 exactly right. Well, there's just one thing I wanted to, yeah. yeah, and we've been made, the, the word here says that when that ministry reconciliation was given to us, that he's made us ambassadors over that. Anybody having a clue about what ambassadorship is? What, is that, what does that mean? If you're an ambassador of the United States to another nation, what is that? Put more words to that. It's more than just a representative. Absolutely. You are the representative of all that you have, you're the ambassador from to another nation. In fact, you represent all the authority and, and power and prestige and position and all of that. You represent all of that. So, yes, you're exactly right. So when we're made ambassadors of this, mes- of this ministry of reconciliation, the same thought is what what God is saying. I'm, I'm positioning you. When Jesus sent out you know, and, uh, the, uh, the disciples out, he says, you know, he gave them authority. All authority has been granted unto me. Go, therefore. He was sending them out with his authority. Same thing with us. We are the authority of God in this, in this world. As we're, yeah, don't, don't take it wrong. But we are his representatives. We are his ambassadors with all rights and privileges pertaining thereto. 
Anytime you've been bestowed a, a, a degree that you weren't, those words generally are used with all the rights and privileges pertaining thereto. And that's what an ambassador is, a full representation of God uh, to this thing called the mystery recognition, the message of grace to a lost and dying world. And boy, the, the, if, if we'll conform our conduct the way we live that life in reconciling our, living out reconciliation among each other, the world will hear our message different than what they've heard in the past. And uh, all of this fuzz and pomp and circumstance on the television is not going to be the portrayal. The church will live this message out in a powerful way, and the world's going to see it. And many, 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 many will come to the kingdom in these days. And we'll have that glorious opportunity to see it and be a part of it. Uh, one last closing comment. My father-in-law is Jack Taylor. He spoke not too long ago here at Grace. And uh, it was in my relationship to the Taylor family that I got to know Arthur Blessett and various other people that, if you don't know him, ask me some other time and I'll tell you who he was or is. And, um, and Jack was, uh, one time he was in downtown New Orleans with some others. My father-in-law was in downtown New Orleans with various people witnessing on the streets just trying to communicate the gospel and um, there was one person that my father-in-law was ministering to and and explaining you know the plan of salvation and and so he just simply asked would you would are you in a position where you would want to receive this glorious work of god on your behalf the forgiveness of sin and relationship with god for all eternity and and the person says you know with uh without hesitation absolutely i would he was a man he said, all right, well, let, let me just take your, he, what's it, did he take his hand? No, he didn't take his hand. He said, well, let's just pray right here on the street. And I said, so pray after me. You know, the typical thing, pray after me. Do Take these, this, these prayer steps. And uh, so, you know, the typical way that we have, uh, we were taught to lead somebody to Christ is uh, uh, when you say pray with me, he said, Lord, I'm a sinner. And uh, uh, I, I trust in you. Thank you for forgiving my sin. Thank you that... You are my Lord and Savior. I receive you now into my heart, so forth. Okay, All right. a typical, you know, helping somebody to receive Christ into their into their lives, so they they understand that uh, His life is now their life. Well, he's he's sitting there; their eyes are closed, and um, so he says, "All right, so repeat after me." He says, "Lord Jesus," and the fellow says, "Lord Jesus, I I must I confess myself a sinner." Silence. Nothing. I confess myself a sinner. Jack prayed again. <laughs> Silence. And now he's beginning to think, okay, this guy has left. And I'm sitting here praying in the middle of the street. Nobody's in front of me. And everybody's watching. What a goofball in that. And so he, he, he repeated a third time, still nothing. Finally, he opens his eyes and looks up. And this person is just in the glory of God. The power of God had fallen right on this person because whoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. <laughs> Lord Jesus. Boom. Powerfully saved. Powerfully saved right there in front of him. He didn't have to finish the traditional uh, prayer of salvation. Now, uh, uh, once again, it's not downplaying the prayer of salvation, not doing it at all. What I'm saying is God just does things the way he wants to do them. And people just, by simple faith, the transaction of all that God has planned happens. Powerfully and gloriously. Lord, just do more of that. More, more, more is what we're asking, right? Let's pray together. Kenny, would you close in prayer, please? Yes. God, as we dwell on you, Jesus, as we focus on you, as we look at you and gaze at your face, and as we 
how wonderful and how awesome you reconciled the entire world in yourself. Mm-hmm. It is overwhelming to us. It's, it's amazing to us the, how great your love truly is and how magnificent you have truly reconciled the entire world in yourself. Yes. You really are at peace with the world. Amen. You're not, you're not troubled by anything that's mm-hmm. going on. You're not shocked. You're not taken back by it. Lord, I thank you so much that we now, because of your reconciliation to us, that we not only have we been reconciled to you through Christ, but that mm. now we have the ministry of reconciliation. Mm-hmm. And that we can go out and that we can express your love and your grace to those around us and that we can present uh, you to others just in simple, just in our simple daily lives mm. as we go and do our things and do the things that we would do. Lord, I just ask that you will help us to see those moments. Yes, clearly. Lord. Mm-hmm. That, we, that we can just simply just simply ease and very easily without any without any uh, without any trouble God without any confusion just understand that there are people all over the place all around us that are struggling hurting that just need your grace and your love mm-hmm. help us and help us just to present that to them help us not to be God help us not to be religious right. yes. God, we don't want to be religious right. to anybody Right. We know what it does. It doesn't do anything. There's no life yes. in it. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. But Lord, we want, to, we want to present your life to others. Mm-hmm. So do it through us. Mm-hmm. We rest in you today. Mm-hmm. Thank you for building the message mm-hmm. today, God. Mm-hmm. I pray that it will just, this, the seed that's been put in our heart, that you will fertilize it mm-hmm. with your Holy Spirit. That yes. Just, that we'll just be in, truly be ambassadors for you. Mm-hmm. Thank you so much, Jesus. Mm-hmm. Amen. Amen. Thank you.